Hello and welcome to IEEE Soft Robotics Podcast. In this podcast, we are going to interview researchers from Pulse Academia and Industry about their work, thoughts, spectrum, and more beyond that. This is Marwa Edwini, and I hope you will find this podcast useful. If you would like to connect with us, simply send us. Yes, I'm Antonio Bicchi. I'm a senior researcher at the Italian Institute of Technology and a professor of robotics at the University of Pisa. Mm-hmm. So could you please tell us about your research in soft robotics? Uh, my interest in soft robotics is um, longstanding. I have uh, been uh, thinking that robotics... Uh, The, the old style uh, rigid robots uh, were uh, uh, too limited to really uh, cope with the uh, environment and the possibility to uh, help humans and work with humans and even become part of humans. Uh, so that is uh, the motivation to start on, on soft robotics. Mm-hmm. Uh, i think that uh, that was clear already maybe 10 years ago mm-hmm. uh, when the whole thing started mm-hmm. but even longer even longer ago um, robotics so uh, has been working on too many robotics, who are um, look at nature uh, for inspiration robotics uh, maybe is clearly maybe 15 years robotics ago, paradigm mm-hmm. is clearly I've been uh, somehow always interested in, mm-hmm. in, in some robotics uh, because I'm interested in in mm-hmm. uh, so in robots, why you just work with robotics and, and when and how you become really interested and, uh, in, in this field of robotics tactile sensing and a big part of tactile sensing uh, is related to the to how the the hands are made and my hands are soft mm-hmm. of course there are bones inside mm-hmm. but um, Uh, interface with the environment with the external objects is soft yeah so that has been uh, since ever for me since my very uh, beginnings in robotics and then later on we realized that it was not just uh, the content of material but it's the way the structure of the hand mm-hmm. is made that is uh, uh, that's where softness is important so um, I am interested in uh, especially in in that part of soft robotics which we call uh, articulated soft robotics where uh, you have the body of the robot that is made of uh, uh, both uh, soft and rigid parts just like the skeleton and the muscles in the human body mm-hmm. and those uh, those uh, connected parts form a, a wonderful uh, structure that is both uh, reliable, strong, uh, can be accurate, but also can be very compliant and very accommodating the, uh, the different uh, and uh, un, uh, un, uh, unstructured parts of the environment. Mm-hmm. So can I ask something about this point? How do you define soft robotics from your perspective? So you now mentioned that we had the bones, but from your perspective, how you can define soft robotics? And what could be the big uh, roadblocks to have a fully soft robotics? I mean, in terms of sensor, controllers. Uh, I, I'm not sure what you mean by full 
soft robotics. Mm. Um, you mean that every part is soft? Yes. And so in terms of the, because now we can control by using rigid controller. But if we just uh, come in years, we have fully soft sensor, fully soft controllers. Just to sort of yeah. Okay, so there are two aspects to your question, I think. Mm -hmm. One is uh, whether robots should be completely soft mm -hmm. or should also have uh, parts that are rigid mm -hmm. or, uh, yeah. or stiffer than others. Yeah. And I, I believe that it, it, it depends very much on what you want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and nature is, of course, uh, provides answers. Mm -hmm. You need to do tasks that only involve uh, locomotion in a fluid mm -hmm. uh, or um, uh, or rather uh, limited interaction with environment, then complete softness is okay. And you have animals that are the invertebrates yeah. who have no rigid parts. And those invertebrates like uh, slugs or uh, mm -hmm. octopus or you know many other invertebrates are capable of doing something um, and are very interesting. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, when you in the evolution of the of the nature nature species, you see that after the invertebrates uh, invariably came the vertebrates, where some parts of the body become stiffer in order to sustain heavier loads and uh, also to organize and resist more to the uh, environment forces. Mm -hmm. So in those cases where you need to do something and you need to apply forces, then um, a mixed structure, an articulated soft robotics, I think is, uh, is important. Mm -hmm. So coming to the second part of your question, how about the controllers and what is hindering us? Yeah. Well, um, this is an interesting point. Um, it's it's something that uh, we do not uh, understand completely well so far. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe we start understanding it now. I myself was mistaken at the beginning, uh, I believe. In, in, in some of our uh, early work, we tried to uh, we, we understood that robots should have compliance, so we built compliant robots. But then we started controlling them, trying to make them uh, follow specified, specified trajectories mm. as accurately as possible, according to control paradigms that are uh, sort of uh, uh, traditional. So these uh, these paradigms typically <clears throat> try to uh, alter the dynamics of the system by imposing some other uh, model. Mm -hmm. So a typical example is a, uh, is a uh, method that is known in nonlinear control as feedback linearization, whereby yeah. you fundamentally cancel the, the nonlinearities by control, by using the model, <clears throat> and then you add a different structure that is more suitable for what you desire to have done as a task. Um, but even but if you do this, then then basically um, you are destroying the dynamics that 
you have built in the system mm. and then you are imposing some 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 other model mm. by, by the controller and which is uh, that, which really defeats the purpose of building soft rocks oh, that... so we realized that um, and the same the same effect of destroying the natural dynamics of soft robots is uh, obtained if you use a very high if you use high gain even simple controllers like high gain uh, PID. Mm. So these controllers do not exploit the dynamic uh, structure of the system of soft robots, do not exploit, for instance, the elasticity, mm. not exploit the, uh, the resonance mm. and those characteristics that make uh, uh, compliant bodies uh, in some senses better or more suited for the task. Mm. Uh, so then, then uh, we've started in recent years in uh, uh, started looking at uh, how a controller should uh, rather uh, approach the problem uh, so that you can get the task done, but without altering the natural dynamics in the system. Mm. And this means that uh, <clears throat> in some sense, you have to rely much less on the feedback and a high gain feedback and have a relatively low gain feedback instead. And to compensate for the error, you have to use fit forward. Fit forward means that you have learned somehow how the body will move under some circumstances. And this will, uh, if you learn this model, then you will uh, learn how to control the robot while keeping soft. Mm. And this is uh, and this is some uh, some work that we have been doing in uh, recent years. It's very interesting because it's uh, also parallels what um, uh, seems uh, humans are doing in uh, in their learning phases when they are very very young. Mm. Uh, kids start exercising and try to understand how they control their limbs. They are soft, mm -hmm. elastic, in a way that uh, um, respects the, the dynamics and simply uh, sends the, the right command at the right time to the system. Mm -hmm. So I think this is very inspirational and uh, something that we want to, to continue working on. It's, now there's a, a large number of people that are interested in in using more of this approach uh, that is, uh, you know, mixing feed forward and feedback in the in the right way. Mm -hmm. That's a very interesting point. And actually, I would like to highlight in that because in, in still current researchers, we apply BID for uh, soft structures, which is still destroying their natural behavior. So, this is a solution that's using that what you highlighted. But do do you agree with um, um, what what could be other solutions rather than using feed forward control? So we can be less dependent on uh, on feedback uh, controller. I'm not sure if I if I understand what I'm supposed to agree with. Mm. Okay. Can you? Yeah, I'm just saying that still some current researchers uh, bend highly in, in feedback control. Um, and that's why I'm asking whether could be other solution, what could be other solutions rather than using feed forward control uh, to learn. 
well, fundamentally, uh, you either have feed forward or feedback control. Yeah. And I think there is a trade-off between the, the two. Um, if you if you have good feed forward, then you can afford uh, low feedback or low gain feedback. If you use a uh, if you use a high gain feedback, mm -hmm. basically independent of uh, of uh, or if you use a, a, a say uh, if you insist to have uh, feedback, whatever scheme you use. Mm -hmm in principle could be as simple as a PID or as complicated as uh, any other uh, any other control scheme, then the gain has to go high. Mm -hmm. And if you go high with the gain, then the, the natural dynamics are you know, overwhelmed by, by the controller. So I really, but but on the other hand, of course, you cannot do everything in fit forward because you do not know the future. Yeah, mm -hmm. and you do not know what the the external environment is. So I think there is a natural blending of the two terms. If you are um, if you are uh, uh, interested in in uh, in these matters, there is a very interesting. Um, uh, paper that some years ago, several years ago, uh, Professor Roger Brockett mm -hmm. put on uh, feed forward and feedback control. And it was, uh, I think the paper was called Minimum Attention Control. And it is a, um, a, a paper where uh, he um, uh, considered how people learn to do tasks. So, for instance, how do you learn to do piano? And there is a, uh, and his hypothesis is that while that there is a, a different scheme of control in different phases of learning. So, at the beginning, the uh, you know you know very little about uh, the piano dynamics and your own hand dynamics. Mm. So, basically, you rely a lot on feedback. Because you you try you you do your movements you listen to the sound and if the sound is correct you proceed if it is not correct then you uh, pay more attention again and then little by little when you learn to, to play piano then little by little you do not use feedbacks mm. so much which could be both tactile feedback or uh, audio feedback but then little by little you learn by heart how to play piano and mm. then you go completely fit forward mm. you you have learned the model and you play mm. so what rocket did was uh, in his paper was to formulate this as an optimal control problem where the cost functional was the uh, an integral of uh, two terms mm -hmm. uh, one is the the derivative, the partial derivative of the control action with respect to the state, mm -hmm. which is a way of quantifying feedback. And another term was the partial derivative of the control with respect to time, which is uh, a way of quantifying feed forward. And then the weight by which these two terms were added uh, can change in time. So that 
you you see that little by little the accent or the 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 focus of the the control the optimal controller is shifted and uh, little by little feedback is reduced mm. what feed forward increases oh. so this is something that we also try to do in our experiments mm. to start with a rather high feedback part just to keep the robot on track and not to do crazy things while you know very little of the model and then little by little decreasing this uh, uh, feedback action while you have learned to do that task. Of course, it requires that you do and do again the task for uh, a few times. Mm -hmm. That's interesting also. So do you think that we have misconceptions about soft robotics yet that we have to, like, like most important questions that we may be missing to ask ourselves research? Do you think there is big questions we have to address all the time and we didn't yet? Uh, questions about soft robotics. I think it's important uh, that we as a community in soft robotics, we uh, um, start demonstrating applications, useful applications. Mm. Because uh, soft robotics is fascinating. Um, the It's been very popular for the last uh, five or more years. Um, a problem that uh, we might have as a community is that, uh, you know, if, if we don't deliver on real world applications, then, you know, fashion might pass. Mm. And then, then I think we have to really uh, find uh, real world applications, which might be non-industrial, but could be, you know, assistance to people or um, medical or uh, wherever, where, where soft robotics can really deliver service to mm. people. That is that is most important. Mm -hmm. So, given now, what is the current challenges that you you really have in in, in research and maybe uh, other community? What are the challenges so that we can reach the point where we can have a real applications and understanding as well? Because you highlighted a very important point about understanding uh, how they behave and designing controller as well. So. What are the challenges that we have currently in, in software politics? Um, yeah, the challenges are many. I think uh, for, 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 what, for what concerns me, uh, now one of the most important uh, lines of research mm. is, uh, is uh, soft prosthetics. Mm -hmm. Is the use of soft robotics concept to develop uh, new and better processes. And here I think it's uh, the, the, the topic is interesting, not only because it's socially you know, very relevant and uh, also it's uh, very uh, it's very good if possible to, 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 to help people who have lost a hand or a leg or a foot. Mm -hmm. Uh, but also because it's very, uh, it's at the very core of the interaction of humans and robots. Building parts of robots that can somehow fit with uh, the human body 
and become part of the human body is really a, a, a dimension that is uh, uh, challenging. Uh, what, what I mean is that the person, what we are trying to do is that uh, the person should feel this part of the body, this artificial part of the body, as a real part of the body itself, as uh, something that is natural. So, uh, and to, to, to be able to incorporate it into his own uh, or her own body schema. So, in, 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 a, in a project that we have that we called exactly natural bionics, yeah. we try to do this by looking at how uh, a, a prosthetic uh, processes should be in order for the person not only use it uh, proficiently, but also feel confident and feel comfortable with it. And we believe that softness and compliance are a big part of so, for instance, uh, uh, when you have a hand like the one that we have uh, developed that has uh, the ability of, uh, you know, operating in the environment, but also the possibility of uh, deforming or uh, shaping itself around the, the, the environment, around the objects, um, or around other parts of your own body, then you start seeing that uh, users uh, amputees mm -hmm. use the hand in ways that are more natural than what uh, you would see with conventional processes. Mm -hmm. So conventional processes now are basically rigid uh, uh, metal bars, yeah. just covered with a, uh, a cosmetic glove, mm -hmm. but they're rigid in, in their in their articulations. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, it's impossible for a person to uh, shake hands with another person or for him to just cross his fingers between the two hands mm. uh, we do normally for talking. Forget about uh, playing volleyball or, or, other, or other tasks where your hands um, basically interact with your own body. So to have this natural social interaction um, we have found that the soft uh, robotics uh, uh, technology is very useful because it gives the hand the same compliance and naturalness that uh, the, the normal hand, or, well, not the same, but it tends to provide a similar um, softness that the hand has. So this is, uh, this is what we uh, believe will help us in uh, building this uh, natural bionic substitutions for um, for human parts that have been lost. Yeah, that's interesting. Could you please tell us more about the material and how the actuation is happening in, in the natural bionics project, which has started recently this year? So, yeah, we would like to hear more about technical details, if it's possible. How? Technical details of what? Sorry? Sorry? Uh, you are asking about technical details. Yeah, of? Be because some other projects use uh, like pneumatic actuation, which is challenging in terms of what you what you had described is very interesting. So we would like to know how it could be fully soft, uh, having the, the hands uh, for amputees. Okay, so um, the approach that we follow is uh, uh, soft 
in a sense that is not uh, the same as uh, some others. So mm. we are not using uh, pneumatics, yeah. at least not for this end. We are doing some other projects where we also use pneumatics, which is an interesting technology. Uh, there are also other technologies that you might use for soft robotics, but we are not uh, not doing that for hands. Uh, in hands, you have the, the the need to have something that is, especially prosthetics. You have to use uh, something that can be uh, really efficient. You cannot bring a compressor with you mm. uh, if you if you have a prosthesis. Uh, so basically, we are using uh, a reliable technology that is. Uh, uh, electrical motors, uh, but what we design to be soft is a mechanism of uh, dividing the forces of contact through um, uh, adaptation uh, using ligaments, basically, and tendons mm -hmm. that uh, distribute the forces in a very similar way as they are distributed in the in the muscle skeletal system of the of the human hand. So instead of using um, fancy materials, we try to use uh, materials and models that are uh, state of art, but we arrange them in, in ways that are inspired by the natural uh, organization of the musculoskeletal systems. So in this sense, uh, and, and then of course we have a soft, uh, a soft glove and soft uh, elastic tendons and elastic uh, ligaments. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do use uh, some rigid parts to connect them, just like the bones in the head. So we believe that this is a, a, a good compromise, at least for design of hands. Uh, because the full compliance uh, provides, a, uh, provides uh, by the way, provides motions that are not very natural mm -hmm. because the human hands are not completely soft, yeah. are, not, are not fully soft, right? But they move in a way and that we want to replicate. And this is connected to the kinematics of the head. Another, another aspect uh, that is important, for instance, is how the the different bones articulate between them. In robotics, classically, you have the, the pin joint. Uh, but if you look at, the, at how the, the skeleton works, you always have rolling pairs. You never mm. have pin joints. And yeah. these rolling pairs have a different kinematics and different way of behaving. So we, are all, we also try to replicate that to provide the same kind of uh, um, of natural motion of, of the hand. Mm. Now, next challenge for us is to move now from the hand to other parts of the body, maybe the wrist. Uh, we started working on, on, on the wrist and the feet mm -hmm. and then, and uh, so we are now trying to uh, use the same principles to do something that is uh, quite different like the wrist or the, or the feet or the foot. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, um, this will also allow us to understand better what is the principle and what is the, 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 the uh, what are the details of the implementation. Yeah, that's interesting. So I would like to ask about biomechanics of hand. Is it challenging to, to understand each human being having the same mechanism of actuation for hands? Is it the same or different? And 
In terms of simulation, do you think that the current simulation can really give us a hint how, about the design philosophy of the hand? So question is uh, um, whether simulation can help yeah. the design. Philosophy for, for the hand, it's the same for all the human being or there's, different, there's differences between these different designs for hand, human hand. There are different, I mean, different humans have, uh, of course, different hands, but they are very similar in principle. Mm -hmm. um, there are exceptions to these. I recently read a very interesting paper by Professor Etienne Bourdet at Imperial College, who uh, has a paper on a family of people who are born with six fingers per hand. Mm -hmm. uh, but that is a very rare uh, things to happen and uh, normally the hands are very much similar to each other although scaled up and down depending on the different person exactly. but they're mm -hmm. remarkably similar in the way they're uh, they are used also surprisingly I think uh, it's not just that they look the same they are also used the same so there were uh, some statistical studies on how people use the hands and move hands. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, these statistical studies led to the uh, study of the covariance of uh, human hand motion. And this covariance uh, was uh, studied and the, uh, the, the, the principal components of this co covariance matrix were identified and were also called synergies. And these synergies are remarkably similar across subjects. So there is a language of hands in some mm. ways, in some sense, that is common and is probably innate in humans. So you know that also, also our real language, I mean, our spoken language uh, has many innate uh, uh, components. And it seems that the hands also have this a uh, kind of uh, innate uh, language inside. Mm -hmm. So I think this is uh, this is very interesting to 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 answer your point across individuals. Yeah. So that's why I'm coming to the next question: How we can make soft robotics uh, diverse? It's really diverse. So how we can overcome? speak in different languages. So you're working in, in understanding the hand biomechanics and material science and control aspect. So do you think in even the community, we have a challenging in understanding these differences in the soft robotics? And if so, how we can um, overcome these challenges in understanding different languages? Well, this is a challenge for uh, soft robotics, but it is also a challenge for robotics in, uh, in general, mm -hmm. because uh, robotics is by definition multidisciplinary. Uh, and it is a challenge. It is, uh, it forces you, if you are a mechanical engineer, it forces you to learn control and, uh, and it forces you to learn materials and it forces you to learn uh, software and uh, artificial intelligence, and so on and so forth. Uh, and this, is, this makes your life uh, harder. Mm. On the other hand, it also makes your, your life uh, more fun, mm. because it's, uh, it's uh, so rich. 
and it is, uh, uh, you know, this melting pot of different uh, cultures and technologies uh, makes the whole thing uh, so varied. So I think soft robotics is exactly like this. Mm. You have to know about materials, you have to know about control, you have to know about uh, simulation. Uh, you also have to know about uh, biology, a little bit at least, mm. to get inspiration and to uh, follow or not follow the model in the nature if you want to do something different. But, uh, you know, whatever you do, you will find an inspiration from uh, or, um, you know, a model to compare in nature. So I think uh, that uh, soft robotics uh, has uh, different parts, but I don't think that this is a big problem. I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's very good that uh, there are different disciplines that converge in soft robotics. It makes it uh, <clears throat> a very interesting field. Yeah. So the question now, do you think that as a community, we have to focus on coming up with new algorithms to control, as you highlighted in, in the beginning, when understanding or designing uh, new materials like any conductive polymer for um, certain soft robotics. So which uh, category we have to more focus in the coming few years in soft robotics community from your perspective? Well, um, it's, it's very awkward for me to say uh, whether we should do this or that mm -hmm. as a community. I can tell you what we are going to do. Um, we are not specialists in material design. So my group will uh, rather continue to do design, uh, system design, uh, using components that are state of art, uh, using, uh, for instance, electromechanical, pneumatic, um, we have been using some um, uh, electro uh, electroactive polymers, for instance, mm -hmm. um, some other materials, uh, shape memory alloys. You know, all these materials have been around for many, many years. Yeah. Uh, uh, electroactive polymers or shape memory alloys have been around for 30, 40 years. Yeah. They're they are no longer new materials. They're, you know, they're as old as as anything else. But uh, so this is not for us our specialty. Um, what we are interested in doing is uh, uh, is the design and the control. But of course, I, uh, I do realize, and I would uh, very much welcome the possibility of having new materials that can do things that we cannot do today. Mm -hmm. For instance, having materials that are more, that allow motion in a more energy efficient way. Mm -hmm. Even having materials that can be uh, more easily uh, disposed of in the environment. Some of the, of the robot, of the materials that we use in robotics are not very environmentally friendly. Yeah. And I think that if robotics should become a uh, uh, widely spread uh, technology with personal robotics, then we should also be concerned about oh, how we impact the environment. Mm -hmm. 
these are not our uh, this is not my specialty but it is an important question yeah but i i would like to ask in this point about ethics of, uh, of using soft robotics when it comes to material which is not friendly and regulation because you already leading in in the community and i think uh, do you think any ideas about what it could be ethics behind soft robotics or regulations that we have to do for using soft robotics well um Well, of course, I think we do uh, we do have a problem of regulations with uh, with robotics. I think uh, it is important to have regulations, not just to. Uh, I mean, the, the point for regulations is not only to prevent people from doing something; it's also to allow people to do something. Uh, and I, I will be more specific on this in a minute. Mm. This is general for robotics, I think. I'm not sure I I'm not sure I grab now how much uh, different soft robotics would be with respect to robotics in general as far as uh, as far as uh, regulations are concerned. Yes, maybe some of the materials we use uh, could be different, but uh, I'm not I'm, I'm not overestimating this. But coming back to the, to why regulations are important, sometimes they are they are useful. Uh, here is an example: the uh, standardization, for instance, of um, uh, collaborative robotics has been very important. And standardization came only uh, few years ago. Before, we could not use robots for collaboration with humans. Or at least you could not use them in a standardized way, in a regulated way. And this meant that although robots could be there, might be there, but you, uh, if you were an industry, you wouldn't use them because then you wouldn't be, uh, I mean, anything happened to a worker in, in the vicinity of a robot, then you probably would be responsible, liable. Once regulations have been established, if you follow the regulation, then you can say, well, you know, I did the best at the state of art to prevent accidents. And then you can use it legally and ethically. Yeah. So I think having regulation is good for that because it allows people to bring robotics out of the labs, academia, mm -hmm. and bring it to real world where other people can use it in a safe and uh, regulated fashion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. So uh, in this point, I would like to ask, what do you think of other uh, groups, projects done by other groups in the field? Uh, which one do you think is really interesting in terms of uh, really could be used, uh, really be used uh, for real applications in other research groups? Oh, well, there are many, many, uh, many, many interesting things, of course. Um, some of these are uh, are very well known. Uh, there are some, uh, um, you know, some of the work that is being done, for instance, uh, by 
Uh, well, should, should, do I have to mention the specific work of other people? Yeah, as you, like, if, as you, as you if like. I, as if you... I do some, I forget someone, someone else. I, you know, I'd rather... Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so in, in terms of uh, other uh, very interesting things that are happening, uh, there are some that are uh, uh, still close to, to our interest. For instance, the work that, uh, that Professor Oliver Brock is doing in, in Berlin, yeah. designing hands uh, that are, are continuously deformable and uh, pneumatically inflated. It's a different concept from ours, but it uh, we, uh, it, it has a, uh, this uh, very nice concept of hands that can uh, be very, very compliant. Um, the uh, one interesting thing in these devices is that they are both uh, actuated and sensing. And for instance, uh, the, the way they use to uh, detect contact on these uh, on these tubular fingers is by listening to the noise that is made inside the the, the tube mm-hmm. by by impact and i found this uh, a very stimulating uh, idea uh, then of course there are other projects like the very well known projects like the octopus or the plantoid yeah. Uh, are done by my uh, colleagues and friends here uh, in, in Pisa, Cecilia Laschi, Barbara Mazzolai. Yeah. And those are uh, very well, uh, very well known and uh, inspiring, uh, inspiring pieces of work. Uh, then uh, I think uh, these are just examples of the many nice things that are happening around. There is also uh, some very um, uh, l- less visible but very interesting model, uh, interesting work in modeling, uh, for instance. And I've seen, uh, um, uh, in this sense, uh, some some interesting work uh, done in uh, constructing uh, accurate models uh, for simulating soft robots, which is uh, always. Uh, um, which is always not easy because it's a, it's a continuum often that you have to simulate in real time if possible. Uh, which and group? Control. Yeah. Which group is doing that? Well, for instance, I have seen recently the work by um, Nicola Pugno in Trento, mm-hmm. who does uh, uh, excellent work in, in this direction. It's a very refined uh, uh, mechanical model of soft robots mm-hmm. 
end of materials. So, for instance, uh, I've seen uh, uh, tremendously interesting work on uh, spider webs uh, and how spiders uh, um, use the material properties of their webs to do uncanny uh, tasks like uh, capturing uh, and uh, and lifting a, a cockroach mm. alive while he waits uh, uh, hundreds of times the weight of the of the spy of the of the spider himself so it's um, you know, by exploiting the properties of this uh, uh, of this uh, of this material of the spider, which is a nonlinear elastic material that has uh, some very interesting properties, they can go up and down and uh, uh, attach their uh, their uh, web to 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 the to poor cockroach until they really can. Uh, um, do things that are um, almost unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Another line of work, if you now, if you want, that is connected to this is, uh, of course, uh, robots that have uh, uh, the possibility of self-healing. Yeah. There are the work of uh, uh, Professor Van der Borg. Brom, yeah. Uh, in, in Brussels yeah. uh, comes to mind, of course. Yeah. But so some work that. Um, uh, student of him that is uh, um, called uh, Glenn uh, Matheson, who was uh, also a student of uh, in our university, has done on uh, building um, robots that are the actuators that are neither uh, series elastic nor parallel elastic as uh, normally. Uh, as more conventionally, but are both series and parallel and are sequential. So basically, uh, building building actuators that are recruiting fibers uh, progressively, very much like what our muscle system does in recruiting new fiber muscles to increase the force. So I, I think this is also a very promising line of research yeah. that uh, people in, in Brussels are undertaking. Yeah, uh, we already have him in, in the podcast to speak about self-healing material, which is really interesting also project. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So I, I would like to speak about industry now. Do you think that soft robotics have enough uh, attention to be uh, in, in industry? For So far, we have Soft Robotics Inc. company the designing software grippers for picking uh, fruits or, or compliant objects. So yeah. I, I don't know how, how you see, because you've already been in charge a little bit in consulting and this uh, kind of uh, rules. So how, how do you see soft robotics so far um, in industrial sector, uh, whether it's grab attention to be uh, have a place of room in, in industry? Yeah, I think it's... Um... I think it is important, uh, uh, as I said before, we need to have impact. Uh, and I think that it is possible. Uh, the soft, uh, soft gripper 
thing has uh, has uh, some relevance, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the the the, the, the soft pen that is produced by a company here in uh, in Italy mm. is uh, becoming more popular, more and more popular, uh, and it has uh, it it is having an impact in the industrial environment. It's called soft end again. Mm. And it is. Um, I think manipulation is the first uh, instance of where soft robotics can have uh, applications in industry. Mm. In some sense, uh, it's a natural possibility. Mm. Another. Mm, direction where this where soft robotics could integrate with products, real world products, is uh, prosthetics, as I said, mm-hmm. because I believe that uh, soft prosthetics is is uh, is the way to go. Mm-hmm. But that's my personal opinion. Uh, then, uh, mm, then. Um, well, why not? Manipulation, uh, vacuum, uh, uh, manipulation in, in, with vacuum chambers, um, and possibly also applications in assistive robotics, like uh, robots that can, um, for instance, help a person to raise from bed or to uh, sit down. Robots that touch your body directly and not be rigid. They have to be soft. And those could be applications. For instance, I remember a project, uh, I think, uh, again, by Cecilia Lasky, with robot arm that uh, was uh, fixed uh, near the shower in a room of a person who needs help. And, you know, is used to assist the person Mm. uh, sitting, standing in the shower room by helping the person directly. I think this is uh, one of the possible applications where we will see soft robotics in the near future. Yeah, but I I would like us to consider this point. Do you think we have, because you're interested in neuroscience and soft robotics and recent projects. So do you think in this point we have to care about emotions in in soft robotics as well? Is something we have to do? Uh, because I think uh, I don't know how you see as a current research in, in understanding human emotions as well. Human emotion, you say? Emotions, yeah, like happy or sad. Uh, ah, emotions. Mm-hmm. So I well, don't. How... Emotions are important. Yeah. Um, there are many ways of uh, communicating emotions. Some do not require softness. So, for instance, you are, it's, it's very, you know, some emotions can be conveyed very, very aptly by, by vision alone or vision and sound. Mm-hmm. Think of movies, right? But there are emotions where uh, contact mm-hmm. is important. And this is basically emotions that are vehiculated through touch, the sense of touch. So, uh, by the way, touch is a very emotional sense. In the sense, uh, and, and indeed, you say a touching experience, for instance. Mm-hmm. Something that is really important to you touches you. Then this means that, uh, that this means that for for conveying some emotions, then touch, contact. 
is important. And wherever CONCAT is, then compliance is important and softness and therefore soft robots and soft materials are important to those to conveying, to transmitting those emotions that go through the body content. So for instance, if you think of a robot for assisting an old person at home mm -hmm. while you are traveling, for yeah. instance, uh, then you would like to have a robot that is you in the place of your old uh, grandmother. Yeah. And, and maybe help her to do something daily, but not only doing the mechanics, mm. but also giving her a, a, a caress, mm. her some, some personal touch. Yes. And then I think uh, it would be wonderful if we, if we had robots that could bring our own personal touch. If you touch, if you touch your grandmother, probably she would know that you are touching her, even even if she doesn't see you, mm. because you have your own way of touching, your own uh, way of interacting physically with her, and it would be very nice if you could do that also when you are not there, when mm. when you are remote. Yeah. In that sense, I think that some robotics uh, could help. Yeah, this is very interesting point. I think uh, to to add this aspect, I think it's also challenging and very important as well. Yeah. So, um, do you have a current cooperation with industry about uh, what you're doing recently in natural bionics project? I'm sorry. Do I have what current cooperation with uh, some industrial uh, sectors about um, your recent project uh, in soft bionics? Okay. Yeah. The, the natural bionics project is a uh, is a very forward-looking project mm -hmm. that has no uh, plan to become to produce an industrial result anytime soon. So it's a long-term. Uh, it's a six years project. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we, of course, have have contact with uh, companies that do prosthetics the major uh, Octobock or uh, Osur, um, <clears throat> uh, we talk to them, but we do not have a plan to make a product mm. anytime soon. You know, making a product is a, is a complicated matter of many factors. Technology is not the only one. There are many other factors there. Uh, so that is not where we are, uh, uh, not in that project. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, the market now is interested in AI and uh, and becoming the driving force to change everything around us. So you at the beginning highlighted about the way of learning as well. So do you think we have to come up with terminology that combines soft robotics and AI in um, soft robotics? So how do you see that we have to come with some terminology defining this synergy? Yeah. I'm not sure if I understand the question. Can you pose okay. it again? Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm saying that the market now is interested in AI and become the driving force uh, to change everything around us. So do you think we have to come up with new terminology that integrates soft robotics and AI, define how we design AI for soft robotics? There is something we have to do in this aspect? 
Well, AI or deep learning or uh, big data, yeah. etc., are uh, now extremely popular, of course. Yeah. But they are just tools, right? They are just uh, ways of uh, using uh, data to extract uh, analysis. Mm -hmm. I don't think uh, it's so fundamental from our point of view, mm -hmm. except the fact that you have this, you know, uh, this uh, this bounty of computing power, uh, and you have to use it. You mm -hmm. cannot ignore that you can now do things that you couldn't do 10 years ago or five years ago, because you have simply much more computational power than you used to have. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, what I think really makes the problem not so trivial is that all these algorithms uh, basically rely on the av availability of uh, a lot of data. And to have data, it's easy in some sense if you have data from a digital source like vision, it's much more difficult to have data from physical interactions like touch. Mm -hmm. And uh, so to have millions and millions of images. Yeah. Uh, for touch is a completely different problem than from vision mm. because you have to touch, uh, to move a robot and to touch an environment for millions of times. This means that uh, you will have failures, you will have uh, wear, you will have uh, many other problems. So I think, I think uh, soft robotics uh, is, or robotics in general, and uh, robotics in the environment in general is posing a new challenge to AI, mm. which is uh, how do you learn from relatively few data? Exactly. Mm. Which is which is something that people, humans, are very good at. Mm -hmm. You don't have to, as I mean, a, a newborn, even a three months old, you don't have to to let him do something millions of times. You just ask him to, to grab an object once or twice maximum, uh, he, he or she can file, fail, but then he will get it done with only one or two examples, not, not hundreds, not thousands, not millions of examples. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Uh, and that is also a, a debate in, in AI community about learning, way of learning. Uh, but I would like to ask him this point. Do you think that black box modeling or just learning could fit to soft robotics in the recent? Because in AI, they depend mainly that we don't we don't want to know too much about the soft uh, to, about system. So, do you think this could apply to soft robotics? That uh, do you think that black box way of learning could fit to soft robotics? Because I think soft robotics, one of issue is, uh, in, in terms of material, the replicability to make sure that you have the same performance. Uh, so do you think we can apply the current methodology of learning uh, uh, in soft robotics? Yes, again, I mean, uh, it all depends on how many examples you have. Mm. If you have examples enough, then uh, yes, why not? After all, you know, describing knowledge by data is uh, as acceptable as describing it with, with models. Mm -hmm. I, I don't see the, the main difference, the, the I mean, I don't see it as a fundamentally uh, inconceivable 
um, difference, irreconcilable difference. Mm -hmm. It's a different way of writing a model. Mathematically, it's uh, rather clear what, what is happening. But the point is that, uh, again, as I said before, you would need data. And yeah. we in robotics do not afford the luxury of having an unlimited uh, amount of data available like they do with uh, vision problems, for instance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So from your perspective, how, how we can engage the general public to be interested in soft robotics? What could be done so that we can make people aware that soft robotics could bring a solution for, for, for them? Well, this goes back to the questions we had before. If you can demonstrate people that uh, soft robotics is useful, mm -hmm. it's cost effective, uh, then people will jump on it. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't think, well, people I, I think are more, uh, are even happier to do with, uh, to have to do with the soft robots than with rigid robots. Because again, the softness of the robots is, is rather convincing, is making people feel at ease. Yeah. And uh, so I think this is also good, uh, a good aspect of soft robotics, which will make them more easily accepted in the society. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and do you think that we have to integrate? What do I need from a student? Of course, we need them to be uh, to be good, mm -hmm. to have good uh, basis, mathematics, control, uh, good uh, interdisciplinary uh, background, but especially to be open to learn new things mm. where they need them. And uh, overall, to be a bit crazy and open to new ideas and to propose new ideas that might even sound crazy at the beginning. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you do not dare saying uh, uh, crazy things, and if you do not dare making mistakes, you do not learn much. So we need people, we search for people that have good background, but also a bit of uh, craziness in them mm. that brings out uh, new ideas. Mm -hmm. And, and lastly, a quick advice to uh, a researcher or a student. What advice you can give to them? Very fast uh, advice. Uh, well, uh, I, I think uh, never get anything for granted. Mm -hmm. Check out everything that is said. It's not because something has been always said that it is true. Uh, that is in general, the attitude of researchers, of a researcher, you have to challenge the existing establishment mm -hmm. of the way of thinking, the classical way of thinking. You have to go and understand it in the details and look uh, whether everything is really so, has it to be so, or could it be different? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, students have to be, and the researchers have to be a bit of a rebel. Uh, 
not not in the, the social sense. They do not have to 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 uh, smash any windows in the in the streets. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, in, in, at least uh, philosophically, they have to be a bit of a rebel. If you accept uh, anything, everything that is said to you, then you are not really a, uh, yeah. a researcher. Yeah. You have to question. Yeah. Oh, thanks. And you, yeah. and you have to be honest. Yeah. Those are the curiosity and honesty are the two virtues of a researcher. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm. And I'm Bob of IEEE Software Boss Committee. I would like to thank you for your time. Thanks so much. Thank you, Mara.